Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everybody. Bill Handel here on a December 24th, uh, Thursday. And uh, some of the top uh, stories that we are covering... Yeah, the pardons that uh, the president has granted, uh, now 29, and there are plenty more coming. But I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, not what the president is doing, but pardons that recent presidents uh, have uh, granted. And that's a fun story. Uh, And uh, then we have cool space news coming up. And at 9 o'clock, talk a little bit about uh, this year and a reflection uh, what a year it's been. One of the uh, worst years, uh, certainly, I've experienced in my lifetime. Uh, but now, uh, I want to move over to you shouldn't, but probably will be traveling. Uh, the health experts, all the way from the CDC to uh, county health experts, uh, have said, uh, don't travel because look at the numbers. And yesterday, we had 3,500 people died in the United States uh, because of the pandemic. With the virus. And at the same time, uh, people are going to travel. Right now, a million people a day are traveling. And it's uh, there's very little social distancing, if at all, at the airports. A lot of touching. Uh, people touching uh, your stuff. I mean, it's uh, it, it's a day. And then getting on the airplane. And then you're crammed together as you get on the airplane. And then crammed together when you get off the airplane. Uh, so... Uh, what is uh, the TSA saying? Well, first of all, they say, don't travel. However, for those people that are going to ignore us and travel anyway, and there, it's uh, this is a lot of fatigue. Yesterday I was watching a news story uh, about a woman who said, I haven't seen my grandchildren in over a year, and uh, I don't care. I'll take whatever precautions I have to, but I'm willing to take the risk. A grandmother. Right, a woman in her seventies. Well, you talk about someone who's susceptible to the to uh, the virus. So uh, the TSA uh, has opened up additional airport security to make it easier uh, for people to go through as quickly as possible. But still, the same advice: go come early. The earlier, the better. And usually, when they say come an hour and a half, two hours earlier, I tend to ignore that. Because in reality, you go through, I happen to be a pre-check person, and so, yeah, big deal. Well, uh, it's a big deal. Not only come early, but be prepared. Uh, wear a mask, have your photo ID ready to go, follow the liquid rules uh, scrupulously. Anything over three ounces, liquid, you got to toss, uh, except... Uh, there is an exception uh, that they've just instituted. You're allowed to bring up to 12 ounces in a container of hand sanitizer. Uh, pre-check allows you to go through the airport security faster, and it really does. Not only do you go through it faster, but keep in mind uh, you don't have to open up your laptops or take them out of uh, your luggage. Uh, you don't have to, uh, out of your bags, you're taking aboard the airplane. You don't have to take off your shoes. Uh, you don't have to take off your belt, and so it just goes quicker. 
and uh, you can keep light outerwear on. It's just it, there's less hassle, less time, and it really happens. Uh, now, keep in mind, the TSA, here is where uh, there's a delay. More cleaning and disinfecting uh, frequently touch chair, uh, checkpoint surfaces. Uh, you'll see the agents uh, wearing masks and gloves at checkpoint, and every pat-down, they change their gloves. Um, look at the TSA searchable Can I Bring database. That's what uh, they're suggesting. It's online. There's a free mobile app, and all you do is uh, search TSA, and it'll give you the uh, Can I Bring database. Uh, and holiday food. Boy, that's... Um, food items uh, always have extra screening. And there is a given rule that I'm going to share with you. So you, uh, goods that are baked and cooked, stuffing, casseroles, turkey pies, actually are allowed to go through security checkpoints. But sauces, sides, drinks, uh, like eggnog and full-size alcohol bottles are not allowed to go through. And what is the most commonly confiscated item that goes through those TSA checkpoint. The number one item. Peanut butter. Peanut butter is the number one item. And here's the golden rule. If you can spread it, spray it, pump it, pour it, put it in your bag. Let it ruin your clothes when it leaks. And then finally, here's a recommendation that makes a lot of sense. If you're bringing presents, don't wrap them. Because here's what's happened. If it goes through the x-ray and there is any question whatsoever, or you are one of those lucky people to get the random search of your bags, they unwrap it. They tear it open. So the TSA suggests use gift bags. The gift bags fold. They're already at the bottom of the suitcase. And then you go to wherever you're going and you give the gift in a gift bag. Uh, I am, I, I'm a huge fan of gift bags. Uh, enormous fan. Uh, why? Because you don't have to wrap. Takes a lot of time. Gift bags are really easy to get. I get mine at the supermarket. You know, when they ask paper or plastic, I ask for paper. And uh, it's always a good gift bag. So just be careful. And don't travel, by the way. Okay, now uh, let's get to the holiday season, which we're in the middle of, uh, tomorrow being Christmas. And what does Christmas mean? Santa Claus. And we know the connection between Santa Claus and Coca-Cola. Everybody does. But let me give you a, a little backstory, because before 1931, and Santa Claus has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Matter of fact, going, uh, yeah, going back to 1200s, 1300s maybe. Uh, he was uh, depicted everything from a really tall, skinny, gaunt guy uh, a, to a, a bishop wearing a bishop's robe, uh, animal skins in uh, the Norse country. And uh, Civil War cartoonist, a guy by the name of Thomas Nast, very famous man, uh, drew him for Harper's Weekly in 1862, a small elf-like figure. And Nass continued to draw Santa for 30 years, just like that. So how, how does it connect with Coca-Cola? Because Coca-Cola changed everything. Uh, Coca-Cola in, in the 20s um, started its advertising campaign with uh, magazines, uh, like the Saturday Evening Post. It was one of the premier corporations that really were part of the early days of mass consumption advertising. 
And the first Santa ads were that skinny-looking Santa Claus. In 1930, uh, there was an artist, Fred Meisen, who painted a department uh, department store Santa uh, drinking a bottle of Coke. It was next to uh, the world's largest soda fountain, which in St. Louis. And uh, that Santa was used in print ads all through the season by Coca-Cola. We go a year later... Uh, Coke ads are appearing in uh, popular magazines all over the place. And uh, what uh, an advertising agency executive did is he wanted to show a wholesome Santa, both realistically and symbolic. So Coca-Cola commissions an illustrator, Haddon Sunbloom or Sunblom, to develop advertising images of Santa. Uh, showing Santa himself, not someone dressed as a Santa. That's when Santa became a real person in the world of advertising. And he actually turned to uh, the Twas the Night Before Christmas uh, to that depiction of Santa, a warm, friendly, pleasantly plump, now he's downright fat, and a human Santa. That Santa debuted 1931 in Coke ads in the Saturday Evening Post, and that's when it really took off. From 1931 to 64, uh, Coke advertised showing Santa delivering toys and playing with the kids, uh, pausing to read a letter, enjoy a Coke, of course, visiting with the kids who stayed up to greet him, raiding the refrigerators. And uh, that, by the way, those original oil paintings... Uh, are insanely uh, valuable today. Matter of fact, all of uh, the billboards and posters and calendars are all collector's items now from that theory, uh, from that period. So the final version of Santa, Coca-Cola, which uh, every other Santa now uh, takes uh, the uh, takes from the Coca-Cola leadership. I mean, that's Santa now. Uh, that was created in 1964, uh, and uh, for several decades, uh, Coke uh, featured those Santas based on uh, Sunblom's original works. And uh, that's the fat Santa that we know today. And it's, um, it's sort of iconic. Oh, by the way, just to let you know who the models were, Sonbun, Sonblom painted the first image of Santa using a live model, his friend, a retired salesman. When he died... Then he used himself as a model and then finally began relying on photographs. People so enjoyed these uh, and paid such close attention. It's like watching a movie and trying to pick out those little mistakes that are being made. The guy in the background wearing a checkered shirt in a Star Wars film, that sort of thing. And so um, in one year, Santa's belt was backwards because Sonblum was painting in a mirror. Uh, Everybody went nuts. One year, no wedding ring. Of course, he's married to Mrs. Claus, and uh, people went berserk. Uh, the children who appear with Santa were his neighbors, two little girls, but he changed one to a boy. And the dog uh, that was with Santa in 1964, uh, uh, those that dog was based on a gray poodle belonging to a neighbor, uh, but Sonblum wanted the dog to stand out. So uh, that gray poodle became, uh, had black fur. In 1942, uh, Coke introduced Sprite Boy, 
who appeared with Santa Claus in Coke advertising through the 40s and 50s. Now, not, ma- not many people uh, have uh, know about Sprite Boys, like Batman and Robin. And uh, he got his name because uh, he was a Sprite or an elf. It wasn't until after that, 10 years, uh, actually through the... Um, uh, the 60s, that actually there was a beverage Sprite. So it wasn't the character named after the beverage. It was the beverage named after the character. And then in 2001, that artwork from the 1963 painting of uh, Sonblum uh, became an animated commercial starring the Coca-Cola Santa and uh, the story of Santa. I love these backstories. I truly love it. I have one, uh, and uh, I don't know if I have time to share it, so I'm not going to tease it. Uh, but it's, it's a great story. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's the best story I've ever had, I've ever uh, told in my entire broadcasting career of over 30 years. Uh, I'm not going to tell it because we don't have time, uh, but it truly is worth telling. How's that for a tease, huh? Merry Christmas, heart of gold. Okay, well... Actually, uh, I conflated the dates. I thought today was April 1, uh, April Fool's Day, so uh, I am going to tell you the story. And I'd love just to jerk your chain and say, oh, come on, Handle, really? You're going to tease us with that? And uh, so uh, here is the story. Uh, there is a song uh, called The Christmas Song. Now, uh, that you don't recognize the name, But the tune, I guarantee you, you recognize. Jake or Eric? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Hello, Eric. Can we play the song? It's playing, boss. Jack Frost. All right, we're waiting for the computer to uh, kick up. Uh, I don't know if you're not hearing it or not, but we're hearing it here. Oh, sorry. Here we go. Being sung by choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Yeah, sorry about that. Everybody it wasn't going knows. through my headsets for a moment. All right, so that is uh, the Christmas song, first uh, sung by Nat King Cole. So who wrote that song? And this is a fun local story. Mel Torme, great jazz singer, very famous, uh, uh, anybody who is over 12 knows that name. He wrote it with uh, Bob Wells. And Daisy Torme, Mel Torme's daughter, who happens to be a friend of mine, only because she worked uh, in our building, uh, she worked, well, you know, stations change their names and formats all the time, as you know. Uh, KFI was a big band station until 1989, and so uh, you have different formats. Stations just turn around and, you know, go talk radio back to music to spanish etc so that was when and i think it was kieb uh was uh a standard stations frank sinatra all of that and daisy torme had a had a show and uh, i talked to daisy all the time and she told me the story of the christmas song uh written by her dad and bob wells back in 1944 and let me tell you, there are five kids uh, that uh, uh, that Mel Torme had. That song, that Christmas song, has kept five people going <laughs> since 1944. Uh, the royalties 
uh, still kick in where each of the five kids get a very healthy check every year because of that one song. So how was that song created? Well, Mel Torme used to live in Tarzana in the San Fernando Valley. And one summer day, I mean, it was 103 degrees outside, middle of the summer, San Fernando Valley, hotter than hell. He and Bob Wells sit down at the piano and start the song. In one afternoon, they knock out chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And uh, I asked Daisy, I said, let me get this right. Uh, I'm willing to bet that that song started chestnuts roasting on an open fire because it felt like their chestnuts were roasting on an open fire. And that's that's how they got their first line, right? No, that's not right, Bill. But it was, uh, it's the biggest hit he ever had. And it was a matter of minutes that he wrote it. Uh, much like um, a story of Paul McCartney with yesterday. Uh, he, he knocked it out in a matter of minutes. I mean, you get these, uh, these whips, wisps of genius songs that come and maybe you don't even know where they are. So anyway, that's the Christmas song. The story of that with, um, and uh, the very great Nat King Cole was the first one. And since then, I don't know how many hundreds of times that song has been covered. I think virtually every artist who's ever had a Christmas album, which, by the way, is everybody who's ever sung uh, publicly or had an album, all of them have a Christmas uh, album. Uh, That is a perennial. That song stays uh, a a classic, one of the great classics. There's the backstory of uh, a Christmas song I wanted to share with you. Okay, a little bit of politics, and uh, the reason is uh, this affects all of us because this has to do with the second stimulus checks uh, that are going out to every American uh, making under $75,000 a year. Uh, the first one just went out uh, because they had to go out overnight, and uh, a lot of holes. Uh, a lot of loopholes in it, a lot of fraud, a lot of waste, but there was no choice. Uh, the Congress, uh, the regulators didn't have a chance to plug everything because uh, Americans so desperately needed the money. Well, uh, here we are, second time out, and Americans desperately need the money. And the second stimulus check uh, is going to be on its way, and it could very well happen by... Uh, if not the end of next week, the following week. And here are the politics, because just as this bill had been voted on, I mean, it had been finally argued and it's been going on for months and Republicans and Democrats finally came to uh, a compromise. Democrats wanted twelve hundred dollars per person on the stimulus check. Uh, The Republicans wanted far less. They agreed to $600. The Democrats wanted $600 per week, extended benefits, unemployment benefits. Uh, the compromise was reached at $300 and then uh, per week. And then uh, a compromise is all over the place. And just as the vote was about to take place, the president effectively said he's vetoing it because he wants at least $2,000 or he wants $2,000 checks issued. Republicans are reeling on this one. I mean, this is more than what the Democrats wanted in the first place. And uh, Nancy Pelosi said, oh, yeah, we'll do it right now. Just bring it 
and we'll vote on it tomorrow. And, of course, the Republicans are saying no, no, no. And this is the president who is throwing a monkey wrench into the works. Because what's happening now is the president is turning on Republicans. Uh, If uh, these Republicans don't show utter loyalty to him and still uh, have not, uh, still don't continue to deny that Joe Biden is going to be the next president, then uh, that's an anti-Trump stance. And now that person has become an enemy. Mitch McConnell who uh, has said uh, Joe Biden is our next president-elect, has become a an enemy of Donald Trump. So in he throws that, uh, and that has thrown up uh, the uh, second package or this package up in the air. Uh, it's going to pass. Uh, right now, the Republican leadership is not going to follow the president's position. I mean, there'll be plenty of senators and Congress people that will gladly do anything what the president says. I mean, if the president says uh, jump, they simply say how high. But now we have a situation that actually surpasses all politics. And that is bringing money to uh, the American people that is so desperately needed. And even though the president says $2,000, uh, he might as well have said $80,000 for all the good that would have done. Uh, All it does is slow everything up and sets up the battle lines between those Republicans are saying, no, this is where we're drawing the line. We have a deal. We've agreed to it. Uh, We didn't want the $1,200 being too much. $2,000 is out of the question. And uh, the question is, does the president really want $2,000 to go into the hands of the Americans? Or do you question uh, that is politically motivated? I'll leave it up to you to decide. But let me tell you what you are going to get. You will get the $600 uh, one-time payment uh, if you made $75,000 or less. Uh, And that's per household. And uh, couples, well, no, that's per person. Couples, uh, $150,000. And they will get two checks, $600 each. And if there are kids in the family uh, that are dependents, uh, they will each get $600 in a one-time check. There will also be $300 supplemental unemployment insurance. If you remember, there was $600 for a period of months that ended July 31. And Republicans didn't particularly like that one because thought that uh, people were actually making more money on unemployment than they were employed, which in some cases was true and thought vast numbers of people would stop working. Uh, Well, they weren't working anyway, but would not go back to work. Well, that's not true either. Uh, And why people wanted their jobs back because for a couple of reasons, it's nice to have a job Uh, when business opens up. Uh, The first people that are going uh, to be rehired are those that are willing to be rehired. Uh, And uh, the unemployment benefits disappear. And the job hopefully continues on. So uh, there weren't many people. And I asked and I researched and uh, very few, I don't know if any, said, I don't want to go back to work because I'm making more money. Well, yeah, for a very short period of time, that's very short-sighted. So uh, it's going to be until March 31st, $300 on top of your unemployment. Those are the two big ones. There's also an eviction moratorium, uh, which was set to, uh, set to expire at the end of the year. That's going to go for another month. And those have to do, there's a federal moratorium, but that's FHA uh, guaranteed loans. If, you're a, if you have borrowed money privately outside of the government, it doesn't affect you whatsoever. 
And then there are uh, a few other ones uh, that I want to share with you. The, the two biggest by far uh, is uh, are the six hundred dollars uh, one time and the three hundred dollars extended until the end of March. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, There's also uh, small businesses uh, that are being helped. For those of you that work for or own small businesses, there is some uh, PPP money, payroll protection plan money, and uh, those are going out. And again, the application, it's a little complicated with the rules, but, you know, look it up. It's available on the Internet. Uh, Colleges are receiving some additional funds, and that's to provide financial aid uh, grants to students. Uh, Student loans, uh, there is another extension of the interest-free payment pause. Uh, That's going to expire uh, at the end of January. And then there are some uh, aspects of uh, the new bill, Uh, for example, authorizing a discount uh, off broadband rates up to $50 a month for households because of the issue of students uh, that are at-home learning that live uh, in poor areas who can't af- either afford computers, which there already is a program in place to buy them through local sources and state sources, and uh, to pay for broadband. Broadband is not inexpensive. I mean, that's sort of the top of the heap. You need fast broadband to study uh, with a computer at home. So this is a $50 uh, per month grant. And then the surprise medical bills. We talked about that yesterday. The surprise medical bills, uh, providers and insurers have to negotiate payment for out-of-network doctors, hospital, air ambulance bills. I talked about that uh, yesterday during emergency care. So patients will only owe their typical in-network costs. So effectively, you go to the emergency room and you have no choice as to where to go if someone calls an ambulance, you're unconscious, you don't know what the hell is going on. Your hospital is full or by law, they have to take you to the nearest hospital, which is out of network. And all of a sudden, tens of thousands of dollars uh, are sent your way in bills, which if you were in network, you wouldn't have to pay for. Under this new program says, guess what, you hospitals, you providers, we're only going to let you charge what that in-network price would be. So that's a big one. And then there's child care uh, grants uh, using to help families with copay and tuition care. So uh, those are some of the provisions this bill will go through. Uh, yesterday, didn't know if it was going to. When the president said, I'm stopping everything, uh, well, Let him veto the bill. It'll be overridden. He uh, already vetoed the defense bill. uh, And the main reason or one of the main reasons he didn't want those uh, bases, those military bases renamed 
uh, because they had names of Confederate war generals and heroes. And he said, nope. And he, and he vetoed the bill and mentioned that as one of the primary reasons. Well, that's going to be overturned. They're going to override the veto as well as this one, too. All right. Uh, one of the big stories that we are covering are the presidential pardons. Uh, the president now is up to 27 pardons, friends, supporters. Uh, no surprise. We were expecting that. And the pardons are going to come flying uh, like crazy and a tremendous controversy. What a horrible human being he is. Uh, well, you know, this is uh, not only not a surprise. We're expecting it. Uh, but also, he's not alone. This is what presidents do, uh, especially their last days. And if you go back in history, I mean, this is just as relatively little, small potatoes compared to the pardons uh, that we have had, even up to recent days. So let me give you a little handle history of pardons. Uh, 1858, there was a little pardon. Uh, James Buchanan issued a blanket pardon for all the Mormons in the country. And the deal was... um, They accepted U.S. authority over Utah. Uh, They decided to become a state. And in return, uh, the Mormons, who actually had fought the United States and therefore were guilty of uh, treason, insurrection, sedition, etc., done. All Mormons, you're in. Give a polygamy, accept the United States, and you are hereby forgiven. Uh, 1865, after the Civil War, uh, Johnson, President Andrew Johnson, who, of course, followed Abraham Lincoln, pardoned all the Confederate soldiers. Now, Lincoln would have done the same, clearly, but that's a big pardon because these Confederate soldiers were had uh, were treasonous. They had fought against the United States. Take up arms against the country and see what happens to you. It's It's treason. Now... Moving into the modern era, and this is the one that we've lived through for those of us that were there during Clinton years and Richard Nixon years. I was really young at that time, obviously. Uh, Clinton pardoned Patty Hearst and the Weathermen. The Weathermen, outright terrorists. Domestic terrorists, Lincoln, uh, Clinton pardons them. And then Patty Hearst, which was a, a real weird one because she was the one that was the Symbian, uh, Symbian uh, Liberation Army. Uh, Simeonese Liberation Army, and she was William Randolph's first granddaughter, and it was, anyway, she became a terrorist. Um, Clinton pardons his half-brother. So for those of you that are upset about Donald Trump uh, pardoning Jared Kushner's dad, uh, even though it was long, long ago, he had gone to prison for it, uh, and has now a full pardon, uh, Clinton pardons his half-brother, Roger Clinton, who was convicted of cocaine trafficking and for no other reason that his last name was Clinton. So don't nail Donald Trump any more than you would have nailed uh, any other president. Obama, right, frees Chelsea Manning, the WikiLeaks source, put the United States at huge risk, literally put the United States security at risk, and uh, Obama pardons him. Uh, he actually commutes the 35-year prison sentence as being, oh, that's way too much. The guy was a traitor. So uh, also Manning is now a transgender, and uh, what can I tell you? I don't know if that was part of it. Probably not. Uh, Richard Nixon freed Lieutenant William Calley. Remember my lay where you had uh, the 1968 massacre of villagers 
and the massacre was, uh, in fact, done by U.S. soldiers. Callie was the only one convicted in the entire war of the war crimes that happened in Vietnam, and there were plenty of them, but he's the one that was a scapegoat, uh, even though he was clearly in charge, so uh, there were plenty of other at fault. Uh, He received broad public sympathy, and Nixon freed him. Uh, So, you know, that was controversial. Uh, You had uh, Clinton in 1999 and 2017. Uh, Well, uh, the FALN terrorists in 1999 uh, offered prison commutations to 16 members of a Puerto Rican uh, terrorist group. Uh, 100 bombs in the 70s and 80s, and he gave them pardons. Uh, Ford pardons Richard Nixon in 1974. I remember being so upset about that uh, because why is Nixon above the law? Any one of us who obstructed justice like this would have received a prison sentence. And the whole concept of Watergate was nobody is above the law except the president, including the president. And uh, Gerald Ford pardons him. Well, it turned out probably to be a good move. Uh, The country needed to heal and move forward. Incidentally, that costs uh, Gerald Ford uh, his election. Uh, Clinton, let's go back to Clinton. He was, let me tell you, Clinton's pardons were kind of bizarre. Uh, Here was the one that was probably most controversial and I think the most disgusting. He pardons Mark Rich. This is a billionaire who stole hundreds of millions of dollars uh, and uh, all kinds of tax evasion. So he runs. His wife is pitching Bill Clinton to pardon him so Rich could come back to the United States a free man. Uh, He and his wife had given millions of dollars to Democratic campaigns, fundraisers, etc., including the Clinton campaign, and his wife convinces him to pardon Mark Rich, and that that was done in the last minutes of the Clinton presidency. So as upset as you may be, uh, and I'm right there, in terms of the pardons that are flying out of the White House, hey... There's plenty more that happened recently, and this is where presidents, I think, uh, sort of lose it in the last few minutes. Eh, it's a throwaway. I'm out of office anyway. What I want to do, which I normally would do towards the end of the year, is uh, look at uh, 2020 in retrospect. And this is a year uh, that is, well, you know that. It's uh, in many ways the worst year of our lives Uh, Certainly on a personal level, if you've been unemployed, uh, still unemployed, uh, have uh, rent issues where you can't afford to pay the rent, uh, God forbid, lost a loved one to the virus, Uh, someone is sick, you've been sick. Uh, So that's a given. And I think the most important part, I mean, I'm going to ruminate a little bit and go through the year and some thoughts about it is uh, this uh, 2020 will be the year of the pandemic. Uh, we started the year with the pandemic. If you remember, the first reports were December. Well, the, where we knew out of, uh, out of China, it, we're talking December, but it, here it was February before it really started to, bro- uh, to break, and then March, April, it exploded. So we started the year with uh, news of the pandemic in the worst way possible. We're ending the year 
uh, with a pandemic still being the biggest story of the year, with not only the worst news possible when you talk about the number of deaths, the number of hospitalizations, but also with the best news possible, uh, the success of vaccines to uh, stop the pandemic. And that all happened within a year, and that literally is a miracle. We already have uh, over a million people that have been inoculated, and uh, that's going to go by the millions. By next uh, summer, it'll be every American who wants a vaccine. But uh, since that was the biggest story, there are others that I want to share with you. And there have been so many, so many monumental events this year, 2020, that uh, as I was looking, uh, a lot of it was, oh, yeah. I Yes, I remember that, even to the point where these incidents would have been uh, so massively important, we would have been talking about them as the most important stories of the year. And they all pale to what's going on with the pandemic. But that being said, there are still important stories that affect us very deeply and affect us for the future. The pandemic, I think, is other than those people that have lost jobs and uh, are going to be forever affected financially, which are so many, or have lost loved ones who, of course, uh, they're affected forever on those. Uh, For many of us who still have homes, are still working, and have somehow luckily uh, been able to to move around uh, the pandemic or the effects, uh, that has not affected us as deeply. Some other things that have happened have affected us as deeply because it's long-term and it just changes everything in America and how we are going to exist uh, for the next 30, 40, 50 years. So let's start with uh, Australia, the bushfires there. Uh, We covered it, but, you know, if you're looking, if you live in Australia or have friends in Australia, a third of that country burnt. And uh, probably the worst wildfires you can imagine. And uh, that is a huge story, but not so much for us. Because it happened way early and it happened to them. Uh, another story that uh, it became huge and this is not so much a negative story. Well, most of us got a little joy about this one. Is Prince Harry and Meghan Markle quit the royal family? We're done. Thank you very much. Uh, that was extraordinary. Also, keep in mind that you have a royal uh, who married a mixed race person, a commoner who wasn't even a Brit. Remember 1936 uh, when you had Edward, uh, I think Edward the Seventh. Abdicated. He couldn't stay on the throne because he hooked up with uh, an American divorcee. So life has changed. Oh, and, and the reason I bring this up uh, with Prince Harry and Meghan, uh, well, Harry, uh, Harry Windsor and Meghan, uh, is that they bought a little home. You know, they live in Malibu. You know, there's a little home they bought for $24 million uh, up in the hills of Malibu, and they also live in Canada. Uh, here's one. Uh, that uh, hit many, many people very hard. Kobe Bryant's death. I mean, uh, I didn't realize, because I, when I first heard the story and I talked to friends and I talked to people at KFI, I didn't realize the impact of the death of Kobe Bryant. It was extraordinary. And it made international news. 
And, of course, it became national, hugely national, and it particularly hit us in Southern California because Kobe was a Laker. And so people saw him. Uh, so many millions had seen him and uh, knew he lived in Southern California. And the way he died, everybody knows exactly where, going to Orange County, from Orange County into Calabasas. I mean, this was a local, national, international story that stuck uh, that uh, struck all of us. And uh, particularly for the black community, and I, I truly didn't understand the depths of uh, the, the sentiment of his death. I mean, I got it within a few days, uh, but it hit very hard and very deep uh, to so many people. A young man losing his uh, with his daughter and other people on the helicopter. I mean, it was, and I, and I remember as the story first came out, uh, it was just a news item, a helicopter crash in Calabasas, uh, several people aboard. And then the story started trickling out. It's Kobe. It may be Kobe. It had been confirmed. And then it got more, and the, the snowball started rolling. So by the time it was confirmed, uh, L.A., uh, we were in a shutdown already at that point. Uh, the um, uh, Just the feeling, uh, that weight of someone you care for dying uh, way too early. All right. I mean, what a year it has been. And um, as I go through some of the stories, uh, and I'm giving you some thoughts, just uh, ruminating here. Uh, some of these stories are so massive, uh, but we've forgotten about them. Like, oh, yeah, that happened. Uh, for example, the impeachment of, uh, of Donald Trump. Who pays attention? Do you even remember he was impeached? I mean, it's it now in rel- uh, relative what's going on. It's such a small story. Uh, when Bill Clinton was impeached, it was wall-to-wall coverage. I mean, we I couldn't stop watching it. This year, eh, we knew what was going to happen. Uh, we absolutely knew, and uh, there it, it was a waste of time. So what would otherwise be a huge story turned out to really be a nothing story. Now, as I said earlier, there are some issues that have came up have come up that are going to have very long lasting, as a matter of fact, change the way America lives and works and believes. And uh, probably the biggest one is the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, we haven't been talking a lot about that, except every time an unarmed black man is killed. Uh, by the police, the story uh, bubbles up again, and we now look at every single one of these shootings with a microscope. And uh, at uh, at this point in time, I think we have to. And policing is going to change, certainly. Uh, dealing with uh, systemic racism, we finally have come to the point where we are looking at racism uh with a microscope, uh, looking what has happened in this country and African-Americans, how they are totally different than any other group of people, because there are no other group. There's no other group that started their relationship as Americans as slaves. And that changes everything. So we have to look at that very carefully. Uh, Joe Biden becomes uh, the nominee and wins the presidency. And that is huge. And why? Well, because uh, it couldn't be more opposite. Well, it could be, but it's uh, opposite of what we've had for the last four years. Uh, Effectively, what Joe Biden is going to do is bring us back to 
where we were not only uh, in terms of domestically, uh, but also within the community of nations. We're going to simply become a player again. By the way, that's not to say that uh, Trump, President Trump, didn't do some good things. Uh, China be- taking totally advantage of us. I think it's going to continue. Uh, Russia being our best friends, that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, we're going to go back to a country of relative moderation instead of a country that is boiling over in turmoil. Every day is different. Uh, never know what's going to happen the next day uh, because of an individual who uh, that happens to. That's the way Donald Trump ran for office, was elected, uh, has, in fact, uh, exhibited that kind of behavior. Incidentally, there's no hidden agenda with Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, he is who he is. He said it. Here's who I am. And he was elected. So you can't uh, talk about hidden agendas. You just can't do that. There's no hypocrisy, particularly about Donald Trump. He has changed America. He has changed America, uh, not only the way we are now being perceived and how we look at the world. That can be turned around. But how long term is his influence going to be? Well, in one area, it's going to go on for 30 years, and that is uh, the nomination and the confirmation of three very conservative justices to the Supreme Court. And for those people that are so hugely upset, oh, my God, the liberal court or the moderate court, there have been plenty of times in history when the court was wildly left-wing, and now it's going to go the other way. And welcome to America. That's our system. We elect a president who nominates, who happens to have a Republican Senate, uh, who has a political agenda such that uh, his base wants that kind of justice, and it just all fell into place. It was a perfect storm, much like the election was. Just a perfect storm that fell in for President Trump. And uh, so we start uh, 2021 uh, with a new president, a new era, uh, some political turmoil that is going to extend, I don't know how long, because of uh, uh, Donald Trump's influence on politics in the Republican Party. That remains to be seen. Uh, But, of course, the big story, the one that historians are going to be looking at for a very long time, the beginning of the pandemic and the beginning of the end of the pandemic, all starting in 2020. It's been a hell of a year, to say the least. Tactical Thursday coming up. Uh, the fact that the Trump presidency is ending, uh, that may make uh, have some big implication for what's going on militarily. And uh, this is it for me for the year. Uh, Tomorrow morning, uh, Jesus, traditionally uh, here on uh, KFI, uh, Jesus shows up uh, and uh, takes my place, uh, which is, uh, well, I'm not going to get into uh, who has a better show. Uh, Jesus probably has more of a long-term show, even though I've been around for many years here on KFI. Uh, Yeah, I think it's fair to say his uh, his show has been a little longer. Uh, anyway, you uh, will catch you at the beginning of uh, the uh, year 2021. 
Uh, have a Merry Christmas, uh, and uh, it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? So we'll start 2021 in a better way, won't we? Bill Handel and the Morning Crew, KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.